This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Joining us on the COVID report is Narsim Terblanch, the Chief Operating Officer of Impulsum, who is a software development company, here to help us understand how these technologies are designed and whether they can benefit us. Welcome to the show, Narsim, and thank you so much for joining us. There is a COVID-19 exposure notification installed in Android and Apple phones. Please explain to us what the system is about. Is it an app installed on our phones and how does it operate? Okay, thank you. Um, basically, firstly, uh, what Google and Apple have developed is not an app per se. It is basically a framework that they've allowed apps or allowed your country to create an app that can plug into this framework to basically make your app or whatever app a country or government um develops to make function better, to allow it certain rights on your smart device, um, access to Bluetooth, access to location um, tracking. So, um, and it's also basically up to the user if they want to install an app outside what the framework that Google and Apple has developed. Um, so Google, to, to answer your question, Google and Apple has not just installed an app onto your phone without your knowledge. It's just a framework. It's just a little plugin. It's just little functionality that your phone will have once an app is developed by uh, any developing house or country that can basically plug into the, this framework to make that app uh, work a lot more efficiently um, once it is, is built and, and ready to be deployed. Thank you very much for the clarification over there, Nassim, as far as the differences between app and plug-in or framework, as you put it. Now, as far as the accuracy with which uh, this framework can help in curbing the spread of COVID-19, where, where do we stand as far as how accurate it is? That, that is a very tricky question because there are, are many factors that, that could play the role in that is also by getting false positives, um, meaning that what if if somebody just says they have COVID and they don't? Um, um, also, um, how are cases going to be reported? How are cases going to be uploaded? Um, that is not determined by the the, the Google and Apple uh, framework. That is more determined by the the actual app that would be in your Google Play Store or Apple Play Store that the, the government will, will develop, um, that, that will be determined from there. Um, they, I mean, in my mind, I, I can think of a couple of workarounds, but it would make it a lot more tricky to get an accurate, accurate um, assumption on, on what the spread is. Um, but just to say quickly, it could the the spread a little bit it's not going to take it away but it could definitely help um just curb that spread of the the covid 19 so helping the spread helping us identify the spread and where it is occurring so where is the data stored and who has access to it is it protected okay so the data storage this for me there's two places that this is stored uh, if i look at one is on your actual uh, smart device, 
um, where Google and Apple basically stores random IDs that you as at your phone came into contact with in the last 14 days this that those IDs get removed and there's no personal information stored it's just a ID it could be a number it could be a, a array of numbers so that is stored on the actual device and that gets deleted after 14 days um, the other one is um, the basically the data from the actual app that the the um, developing house or the government has um, developed there are many ways they can store this data um, this is basically up to them um, it would also be determined by the government's rules and regulations on data protection and how and where they store this so in in short this is normally very secure um, where government data is concerned uh, I can personally vouch for that that we store the security around government data is, is, is very high, and but where they store it is and how they store it, uh, it will be up to them. And who has access to it would also be determined by our regulations around data protection in our government, um, um, in actually the, the government departments. And as far as the potential for the personal information that is stored um, to be abused by others. What are the policies that are put in place, or if there are any policies put in place to prevent um, this from happening when such, develops are such, uh, such developments are made and such apps are built? Data protection and, and personal information policies are of the highest order around app creation and, and getting user information where they have to actually give personal information on the uh, on any application, not just a application like this, on any application out there. Uh, it, the, the securities around it is, is very, very strict. Um, also around the, the law, uh, I'm not a, a too familiar around the health protection, data protection law, but I know it is pretty strict. So uh, those, I, I doubt there will be any abuse of those information because it's the same information, the only the same information that hospitals and and clinics and doctors and all these people stores. It's basically the same information that they have, and those, that information is is pretty pretty secure. And um, I don't foresee any abuse of these this personal information going forward. Uh, unless there, there is an, uh, an option where a user can actually um, opt to be informed or have the data used in, in any other way. So in a country such as South Africa, where connection might not always be the strongest, is South Africa's cell phone triangulate, triangulation good enough for these apps to actually be effective in comparison to some of the other countries in the world? Yes, we're not as good as your first world countries um, like Europe and, and North America, but I still don't. I don't. I, I think that our cell phone um, signals are, are pretty good um, already. I mean, we have such a lot of um, apps at the moment that use GPS and location tracking. I mean, we can look at your e-hailing apps like your Uber, your Mister Delivery, or any other delivery service that's out there. Your I mean, even WhatsApp has a location pin that is pretty accurate at the moment. So I don't see that South Africa's bad cell phone network is a problem. I, I mean, I think our cell phone triangulation is pretty good. 
and and it is good enough and will be effective enough for an application like this. And I don't foresee that being too too much of a problem at all. Now, in April of this year, which is kind of funny because it doesn't feel like it was this year at all, but in April of this year, we heard from uh, Minister of Communications, Mrs. Stella Ndabeni Abrams, talking about an app like this, but government came back and said for a country like South Africa, it is not going to be practical. What kind of, what, what kind of improvements to our infrastructure would need to be made in order for this practicality to be realized? And can the government's idea for the app be developed so that it can function in a country like ours? Okay, so around that, I don't think it is... The problem we have in South Africa is not that they, um, we don't have the infrastructure. For it. That's not the issue we have. The problem we have in South Africa is that only one third of South Africans have access to a smartphone. So, I mean, we, what, 60 million people in the country? So only 20 million people has access to a smartphone which should be able to download any given app. Uh, the problem with that also is not all 20 million of us who use smartphones will be downloading the app. So let's say only 50%, I mean, that's thumb sucking, but only 50% of those people downloads the app and of those that download it, only another 50% actually activates the app. So you would be sitting with 5 million people in a country that has 60 million people or 60 million plus people and only 5 million people has this app on their phone. And that would make it very hard to curb the spread or track the spread with this app. And with that said, just looking at that one example, I'm sure there's many other things that, that the, the government took into consideration before saying it, that it's not going to be practical for us. But I think that's the most practical thing is that not everybody has access, not everybody's going to use it. and of the people that's going to use it, it's not going to cause any curb or stop of the spread or tracking of the spread. And it's not going to be be the best. Um, it's not going to be the best place for us to put our efforts. I think we can then put our efforts as a government, as, as a country, we can put our efforts elsewhere that we can actually stop the spread of this virus. So many of us come into applications at the end when we already can download them. But the question is, who are the parties usually involved in testing if these apps will work and how will the data be controlled? Parties that will be testing this is obviously in the development house. Um, they'd obviously have the quality assurance um, department and they will obviously do a, a thorough testing of the system if it works, any bugs. Um, talking from a software development house, coming from myself, is that there's always bugs in our application. I mean, there's not one application that is not bug-free. I mean, even Facebook, Google, Gmail, they all have bugs. So bugs is a thing of software application. But just to um, minify those those bugs, uh, there is a quality assurance department in any software development house that would test this rigorously. Um, how they roll that out and um, how it is um, deployed publicly and how fast they deploy it and where they deploy it, it could be up to their strategy that they follow. If they will just do a one big bang rollout to everybody, they'll just do it slowly and just 
pick up a user a set amount of people to to test it for them it is entirely up to them and the strategy that the the development house and the government or whoever's building the app would actually go forward and do this and how they would like to to plan it all out um it is very subjective on how they do this um, and how they feel it would work for them. Um, I, I can't really speak on when an app like this is developed and whoever is developing what they're going to do. But um, from a software development house and, and a, a app that this big, and we need it almost now or yesterday or three months ago, I'd more do a big rollout and just fix bugs as they come up and just make sure that people report any bugs um, around it. But uh, it, with um, with Google and Apple's uh, framework that they've developed should minify the, those bugs. Um, I've looked at the framework myself and obviously it's Google and Apple, probably one of the biggest developers in the world. And it is pretty, uh, a pretty solid piece of, of software and framework that they've, they've put into our phones so I, I don't see that there would be any problems going forward with that. Very eye-opening stuff. Now, Nassim, you mentioned the fact that th- what the main issue is that not a lot of people have access to smartphones, which is certainly true. Um, I'm, oh, I'm curious about whether or not the, con- the, 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 the state of this country's collective access to the internet and data compared to other countries in the world also um, plays in as a factor to the success of apps and developments like this. So in our context, has our, um, our, our numbers of, of people who have access to data and the internet versus those who can't necessarily afford um, to purchase a router or even um, to purchase uh, data from the uh, leading networks here in the country. Does that issue of access to internet factor in in any way? Oh, most definitely it does. Um, It definitely does because, I mean, everything we do on our our smartphones needs internet access and you need to have data on your phone or access to a Wi-Fi signal in any way and that plays a big big role in in our countries that most of us don't have access to it um, and not having access to the internet access to data access to a smartphone everything that will make a smartphone work efficiently most of us as South Africans don't have access to it and that plays a huge, huge role on something like this to work in our country. And um, unfortunately for us, that is, it's going to be hard to make it work unless we just get to give 60 million people smartphones, which is definitely not the case. But um, uh, jokes aside, it, it, it does make it very difficult for for us to, to come up with something like this. I mean, I know we, um, from a software development perspective, our country is filled with smart, smart talent to develop something like this in, in no time. But the perfect word here is practical, and it's not practical for us to spend money on, on building something like this where it's not going to work for a country in the situation that we are in. 
So in the beginning of the country's lockdown, Minister of Communications and Technology, Mr. Landabani Abrams, again, was looking into developing an app like this, working both with the Department of Health and Vodacom. And we didn't see it falling through. So in your opinion, what do you think could have been the challenges in them going ahead with the application? I think the challenges was everything that the that I've mentioned that that would be not practical for us to to work on. I think I'm I'm sure that yes, when they came out, they said it. But once they sat down and actually did the analysis on how we can make this app work in our country, they realized that it's just not going to work for us. Um, uh, I'm sure they spent a whole lot more time than I did actually looking at it if it's going to work and do a thorough, more thorough analysis than what I did um, to, to see if it work or not. And I think they realized that just no, it's just not going to be practical for a country. It's going to be a waste of time, waste of money, um, and obviously money and time that um, we can use elsewhere and spend elsewhere. So I think they just realized that it's just not going to work at all in our country. And I'm sure they looked at workarounds to to make it work, but in in the short of it, I, I can't see how they could get around with uh, people having access to an application like this um, without this a, some sort of smart device. Now, in the interest of sifting through the nitty gritties of the apparent differences at play. How is the COVID-19 exposure notification installed in Android and Apple phones different to the one that government was proposing and looking into developing? I think um, for the benefit of those who aren't as well-versed in the technological terminology as some of us may be, can you please share the difference between those two with us? Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll give the technical terms on it. So you, you firstly, and then I'll, I'll try to simplify that. So, so basically, Apple and Google's created framework, um, which is just embedded into the software on your phone. Um, it's this, uh, and what we need from there is an, another application that you'd go into um, your your Play Stores or your App Stores to actually download an actual app that you'll see a shortcut on your your phone for and that app will kind of connect to um, to the framework that Apple and Google has created. Um, if I can simplify it, uh, let's take a house analogy and say you want to build a house, you've got a piece of land, but to that house you need electricity, you need water and you need storage. What Apple and Google created was the water, electricity, and sewage. You just need to put your house there and connect the water, electricity, and sewage to what they've done to make that house function correctly. Uh, I hope that that kind of makes sense. I think that's the best analogy I could could come with to, to simplify the differences between the two. Well, what Apple created is just there for us to connect to, to make uh, whatever app we create easier and better functionality. Um, give better functionality for that application. We've just been joined by Nassim Terblanche here on the COVID report. He is the chief operating officer of Impulsum, which is a software development company. And he came onto the show to help us make sense of the 
the framework functionality of your Android and Apple phones that give you notifications to let you know when you are possibly close to someone who has COVID-19 in the form of notifications that you will receive on your phone. Thanks in part to this uh, development that he um, told us about. He also helped us break down the differences between these developments and the app that the government was reportedly trying to get off the ground to help track the virus in this country. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or streams via www.vafm.co.za.